Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you haven't heard, it's a good idea to fit probiotics into your daily routine. Fortunately, Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls make that so easy. These adorable little pearls couldn't be easier to take, and they support both digestive and vaginal health, all because of the probiotics. There are actually one billion active cultures protecting against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort, all in one tiny little pearl. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com. Poverty can go in different ways, emotional stress, you know, and, and you know, and how we cope. I've done everything that I could, you know what I'm saying, to support my family. And when I needed the support from the government, they gave me nothing. What choice do you have if you grew up in poverty? Mm -hmm. There's not many choices. Like, Mm -hmm. I grew up in poverty, and a lot of the times, I had to basically create options for myself because they don't exist. It's easier and easier to eradicate us than it is to deal with us. Where's all the money going? If they're not helping us, they're taking everything we own. And I just remember being like, why isn't there any help? Mm-hmm. You know, even then, there mm-hmm. wasn't enough help. We have to protect ourselves and the cops don't help us. My identity is not my homelessness, but my homelessness is an experience. And I take that with me every day. All across the nation such a strange vibration, people in motion, there's a whole generation This is a Weedy and Howe special report. In usual Weedy and Howe's episodes, unhoused news is usually in the middle of the episode. But because of the severity and the urgency of the nature of the situation, this will be the top of the story. Be sure to wear some flowers in your hair. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House, and we are here with one of the caregivers out here in the community that has has a connection with the residents here. Um, we're going to get a, her account on what happened here and from her own words and to tell us uh, what her thoughts is on how we can be better neighbors to our unhoused community members. So, Sophie, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk with me. Hi, thanks for coming. I wish I drank coffee, but it looks so appetizing. I'm a more of a hot chocolate guy. So, but thank you. You have you have uh, you have your setup with burritos and 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 what was else? You have Hi, egg muffin. McMuffin, and and he has the cups and things like that to provide coffee for the community. How long have you been doing that? Um, with this specific area, I've been with them since December 1st. Oh, what got you in this? What got you wanted to come out here? Um, specifically, there was no specific reason why I chose this area in particular. One day I just got off the freeway and I set out to search and they were literally, they were the second place that I found. So oh, wow. Here I am. It seems like the community has embraced your, uh, your hospitality and it seemed like they are really grateful you come out here. Um, is there, I, I have to take a turn to an unpleasant subject. Um, the 
a tragic loss of a, a beloved member of this community. Her name was Mom, uh, confectionally known as Mom uh, Angie. So can you tell us a little bit what happened and which from your understanding? Um, on Mother's Day, I got several phone calls and text messages from members of the community here, and they let me know that they had found her in her tent, and uh, she had been there for, she had been there for a few days. Um, I'm sorry, take your time. <laughs> I thought I could talk about it now. It's, it's, it's been okay. a month now. Um, on the 9th, it made a month. Um, but they found her in her tent, and it was just, in the way that they found her, it was just very disturbing. How did they find her? Um, from what I heard, uh, I, I can't say for sure because, you know, I didn't see, but um, according to members that, that found her or that have heard, she was wrapped up in blankets, um, and she was just brutalized on her, her face. Um, what do you mean uh, happened? I believe she was stabbed. Um several times in her face um and then that that's what i know as you know i understand too that that she was uh, sexually assaulted as well i believe that's what happened as well that's what i also heard um just very brutal she was 57 she was just um she looked out for everybody anytime like she was my point person for this area um She just made sure that everybody got food and everybody made sure that that they knew that people were here with resources and she just was that person for this area. Sounds like she was one of the community leaders. We we know them as if you follow We in the House, there's always community leaders here that take care of the house community. They take it upon themselves to make sure that they're safe, make sure that they're fed. And Angie was known affectionately as mom, right? Yeah, everyone called her mom, unless, you know, the people that were around her age called her by her name, but by mostly everybody, she was known as mom. Her name is Angie, I don't know her last name. Yeah, I don't know if they would want me to say her last name, okay. so I'm gonna ask the, the, okay. the, her daughter, but yeah, okay. An Angie was her name. So, um, was there any funeral services or any memorial services? Can, uh, where, where, where was her body found? On this block, uh, right behind us. So that's Irwin. Mm -hmm. um, so they found her in her in her tent. Um, Why did they take up? Uh, because it seems to me like this uh, this area, or was she offered to an isolated area? Um, well, there is several tents along this street. So she was probably one, at the time probably one of. 10, 10 to 15 people. Was she separated from the rest of the uh, community? Because um, no one, obviously, she's gone, was dead for a few days, but was there, no one heard any rustle, no sounds or anything that would give any suspicion? They asked everybody and everybody said that no one heard anything. Her area specifically at the time, because her place burned down in March. Okay, okay. So there was quite some space between her and the first and like the next person her neighbors um, so there was some room between them but yeah everyone said that no one heard anything so, so well, I have to ask the second question is like a month later another person was stabbed in a similar manner can you talk a little bit about that so on two, Tuesday on the 8th when I came to serve a meal that day um, I got word that somebody else was found in the similar manner right on the other side of the bridge um, I didn't know this gentleman as well as I did mom, mm -hmm. but nonetheless to hear that he was found the in same the place. same manner or similar to the way that she was found, mm -hmm. it just, to me, there's clearly a serial killer out there. Absolutely. So I, it really kind of leaves you speechless to yeah. like know that something like that has happened not just once, but now twice. Yeah. And it makes it makes the unhoused community a little bit more anxious, do you think? Absolutely, they already deal. They're already anxious as it is on the daily, thinking, having to watch their backs and worry about their belongings and. Um, or city by harassment. Harassment by not just the city, um, but just sometimes people. Some people are not good people in general, and they just really. I see it all the time where they just don't treat them like the humans that they are, and it's infuriating. This is one of the reasons why we need people like you that continues to come out 
And I think you have done, um, you've touched uh, Angie's spirit. She was a human being. And I wanted to point out something too, because of the misogyny sometimes that people have about women, if, even if they have an argument, no one deserved this. Bigfoot didn't deserve this. Angie didn't deserve this. You can have a disagreement, but no one, it's, it's like, this is taking it a bit far. We need as a community, as housed and unhoused, we need to understand there's humanity in all of us. And we don't have to means test or think who is worthy and unworthy. What is the greatest thing that you remember about Angie? I love, and people here probably don't even realize that she would do that, but whenever I would come to serve a meal, she would stand out here with me. I'll be out here three, four hours at a time. And then towards the end of those hours, we'd be like, okay, um, this person still hasn't gotten food. Like we'd go through the list mm -hmm. and we'd set aside meals together mm -hmm. for who hadn't come to the table yet. Yeah. So I just, I really loved her caring spirit. Like, cause she really didn't have to do that for anybody, mm -hmm. but she really did find joy and happiness and making sure that everybody else got a chance at what was being offered that day. This so. goes to show you just because you have a house, you can be just uncaring, but there's someone that doesn't have one can care about the community. That's what mutual aid and community uh, love is. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, I, was there any services for Angie or was there um, any memorial or place or things? I don't know if you guys have any pictures or anything like that, but I would like to put her, her name on the unhoused memorial that we have at every episode to remember her, her spirit and that it doesn't die out because she was a human being. And I want justice for and I want this, this criminal caught uh, for her as well as Bigfoot. None of them deserve this. And it should not be a death penalty for being unhoused. It's, and I have to say this as, a, as I go off, I veer off a bit. Society created this. Society created this lack of empathy. The police have created this belief system that the boogeyman is unhoused people. And it's so easy to dehumanize people. So when these kind of crimes, uh, these, this person, whoever is killing these people, is going around and taking this and seizing the opportunity. So city li civic leaders, uh, police officers, all of you guys have a hand, along with the NIMBYs, definitely that. Definitely. Definitely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, because like I, it, it, when I heard it, honestly, it, it, it reeled me because I, I just could not believe that I, I was stabbed five years ago. And I was mentioning there were some different things that happened that was really interesting to me because when I got stabbed, there was blood everywhere. I got stabbed and the person that was stabbing me and I was fighting back and, and, and people saw it. And the thing when I heard about the stabbings and things like we wrapped into those blankets, it made me realize that this person, uh, uh, there was no flood of blood. I mean, yeah. it, when, when the police and investigators came, I said, man, there's blood everywhere. This, he was, you know, so it's not, that's what makes me think of it as a house person because this person was very careful and very crafty in order to wrap this person's body up. And this is not the first time, I guarantee you, there's maybe in other areas or other encampment areas, there are, or maybe other workers like sex workers or someone like that, communities like that, that this serial killer is striking. I wouldn't be surprised at all for this to happen literally uh, a day before it would have been a month that mm -hmm. they had found mom it, uh, that also is it's chilling to to, to know those time frames um, and yeah I'm sure it's everywhere and but it's not announced mm -hmm. <laughs> when it happened to mom I found a couple articles online mm -hmm. but I haven't seen anything in regards to Bigfoot and that mm -hmm. was on Tuesday mm -hmm. so that's the thing too like you know it, i didn't even know it was an articles on it i knew that they had another stabbing like it, it, over in another area part of in compton that was uh, attacking on how i think other people out there but uh, this one is like this is very flying under the radar and like i say i really am going to take the time because i'm like looking at here cameras here so that's right. just what leads me to believe that this either this person is housed and driving it away you, you they're not going to be unhoused because no unhoused person sane or not is going to kill and come back <laughs> uh, come back and uh, and just magically just come and you know because they know people are going to be looking at them side-eyed it's just like you know you do something brutal like that you know you're not going to break bread with them and, and if I was out oh, in this area I certainly would be packing up and moving because I'm like okay right. I, I you know nobody could be open uh, awake 24 hours so you know all he's waiting for is his opportunity and then he goes off into a rage no no that's not it either scary it's, it's really scary I worry about them you know whoever has phones I, I try to keep in contact as often as I can but not everybody has cell phones so it's hard 
And not only that, not everybody's phone could be charged. I do a power up in uh, Little Tokyo with the unhoused community out here. And I'm thinking now maybe for the safety of the unhoused people, I want to try to talk and see if we can do a power up um, out here at least maybe once a week well help on unhoused people out here also to keep them safe and keep the connections if they do see uh, any suspicious activity we get on on, on notice on it and this is theo henderson for weedy unhoused and i thank you all for uh, for taking the time to talk with me you're very welcome thank you for coming <laughs> thank you for inviting me out here this is theo henderson from weedy unhoused unhoused lives matter just as housed people's lives matter and i hope we meet again in the light of understanding words from her daughter who tells us the story who she was as a person first of all let me extend my condolences so you guys could yes okay uh, so it's okay take your time I can't oh, talk babe. I can't I know it's okay take your time um, I don't know what to say right now just say how great your mom was was she great like she took care of everyone on the street like she would pass out food, she would clean up the street after everyone. There was no reason for her to get tortured, raped, and everything else. She didn't deserve all this. She's not a harmful person towards people. She's a helpful person. She'll always be there for you. What's the best memory you have of her? I know, you know, we are human beings. Was she, did she have a sense of humor? Yeah, yeah she did. What's the, what's, what's the funny story? Like a character sometimes. Oh. Like, just to make people laugh. Oh, yeah. If they were down and out, she would try to she'll bring them back up. You, she'll bring you down from being depressed or whatever. That's cool. What's the funniest story that you remember of your mom? Um, probably when we were play fighting, huh? Yeah, the video, we're, the last video I got. I yeah. Uh, they were both laughing. We were laughing and I was like picking her up because she's only 4'11 and about 100 pounds wet. They really didn't know I video camera them. Yeah, and I kept picking her up and I was like, you're going somewhere else. You need to move out of here. I went and bought her a a motorhome and got her a motorhome to move out. It was hard for her to move out because she had all her stuff. Yeah. So, So you're saying that she was basically helping the community even though she was unhoused. So she was like one of the most integral community members and she was so kind. So um, I can imagine why, one, this is very tra- uh, sad and traumatic for you, but you also mentioned that no, no, no information is forthcoming. You don't know anything about the status of the case. So tell us a little bit about that. We are looking into it better than the cops because the cops aren't doing nothing for us. Um, I don't know if it's because of my background or whatever. What is the background? Because you're a human being. What's your background? They don't look at it like that. They profile everyone. You know? So they look at you because you're unhoused and have uh, maybe a past. They don't look at you as having feelings for your mother being brutally raped and murdered. They don't put her as a, as a accredited person, as a human just being. Just because she's homeless, they think they could just throw her situation to the side, and it's not cool at all. They don't even call us. They don't tell us nothing. They haven't told us nothing since day one incident happened. Nothing. Oh, sorry, babe. Have they even given a, a chance for a funeral? Have you guys they had a uh, they didn't even tell me. Identify her. They haven't even identified her to know it's her. They wouldn't. They right. tell, when I showed up here um, the day I found out she was killed, uh, all they kept saying is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and kept backing me away when I'm trying to identify the body, and they would not let me. And uh, this whole time since Mother's Day, I talked to the detective two times. Who's the detective? Uh, Taurus, out of the sheriff's division. Out of Monterey Park. Out of Monterey Park. So one of the things that I wanted to say is, do you guys, uh, are you guys going to do a funeral for, for her? Uh, no, because uh, there's a situation where we're being threatened now. I'm sorry to hear that. So we don't want other family members to get involved or hurt. So I recremated her and picked her up yesterday. And she, when they found her, she was unrecognizable. So... 
And I found that out because of the corner. So it's unrecognizable that us recognize her and let us know, but they didn't let us do none of that. They haven't told me nothing. These sheriffs need to do their freaking job. So they want to charge us to go and recognize her and all this stuff to pay So they want to charge you to you go to, to recognize your mother? $69. Yeah. Just to get the paperwork itself to know what's going on with her. Yes. They're, they're not helping me at all. And to this day, like, I'll call them and let them leave a message try to or whatever it is. Yeah. They never answer the phone anyway. I talked to them twice since Mother's Day. These sheriffs are foul. And it took us like five times just to I'm call ready to them, sue them. Just to, for them to answer us. And cuss at them. And do all this. And for what? They're trying to get us busted too for doing acting stupid with them as well? Is, yep. it, what, is it behind the cops that they're doing this? What is it behind it? What is it behind it? Nobody's speaking up on nothing. Nobody's seen nothing but this place rocks 24 7. We used I, to live here. I understand because it's a very active place, I can imagine, too. But uh, here's the, uh, the bizarre thing is, too, is being unhoused, you definitely don't get the the same services unless they're trying to arrest you or demonize you uh, as the regular people that are living in houses. I wanted to also humanize your mom and let her know that she was more of in this incident. She obviously was a person that was liked in this community. She's going to be missed. And it's my hope that we find out who this person that did this horrible crime um, to it. And I, again, extend my sympathies. It's okay. So it's four people. Here's four people that uh, ran down from there and I don't know, replaced her or what. Uh, from what I understand, she was kidnapped and then beaten, killed, and then brought back to her spot and left. Oh my God, I didn't know that. And that sounds like uh, there's another missing uh, person that's an uh, unhoused person that's also have something similar that's been missing for some time and uh, we've heard so this is not the only case that we're hearing about this four days ago there was a uh, another man that was close living by my mom that cut some guy's throat mm -hmm. right on the other side of the bridge yeah and I, he's already out yeah i've heard that situation as well this is theo henderson from weedian house as you can hear it from the uh, words of the family as well as uh, other community members that she was a loved person she was a kind person and it's my hope that we find out these people that do this and we stop this, this kind of thing from happening to the in-house community. I hope, I hope we learn something and we are listening and meeting in the light of understanding. define serial killers as a typically a person who murders three or more people usually in the service of abnormal psychological gratification with the purpose of the uh, murders taking place over more than a month including a significant period of time between them the case where there's this I believe this person is a serial killer that's killing the unhoused community is uh reminds me of the current uh, episode of Weedian House where I talk about there is a man that killed an unhoused person for practice before going out and killing his wife. Now this person that killed and raped uh, the unhoused woman uh, Angie and killed the unhoused man uh, as well is the fact that this guy his first crime it sounds like uh, that we know of had a lot of easier a lot of rage and a lot of focus on the facial area. And the same, the similar manner, it was the same way. The second thing that also stands out is that he attacked uh, both victims, I believe, at a time where there was less traffic and there was less observation. Being my own personal experience being stabbed, that if uh, people would have been, would have, it would try to get away or people, blood would have been splattered or maybe they could have crawled or whatever so the it tells that it may be this issue is that he got them while they were asleep or heavily medicated or uh, or inebriated the next thing that goes uh, makes it clear to me that this could be possibly not to rule out is house people is because the uh, ease in disappearing I don't know if they have any video cameras in the area yet that's something I'm going to be investigating but most importantly it's the way that if you have did something brutally like stabbing someone, 
there's going to, you're going to make mistakes. There's no such thing as you doing it such a, like a clinical and a human being that's trying to fight for their life. Any human being fights for their life unless they are under the influence or are heavily drugged. So the fact that there was no blood outside of the area, there was no blood footprints, there were no, uh, there was no trace in any, any kind of uh, clue to his communities that were around that there was something amiss when they didn't see the unhoused community tells me this person has some kind of intelligence and some kind of skill that is on developing. The most important thing is the brutality of the, the kill insinuates to me is that this person has a lot of rage and obviously has a, 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 a disdain toward women, of course, but older women. Now that's, I don't know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, Speaking from um, a, a, a police perspective or a police psychology perspective, but I dare say that this person obviously was, it's obviously had had some abuse in his in his life, and maybe it was done by an older, uh, older adult or maybe someone that was older that was caretaking them. The most also important to is in order for the person's guard to be down, either they had to be uh, either heavily drugged, they knew the person, or the person had a a, a, a place of authority case in point in venice people are intimidated by the sheriff's department when they have a sheriff's a surround him and even though that they know that they have civil rights not to tell them their information and things like that it's very difficult when the implied threat when you have bulletproof vest 30 officers around guns on and and so you're going to basically subconsciously comply and I think that's one of the things that I think about. This person had either be a very uh, in, in a, an established place of trust. It could have been a person that uh, is a law enforcement. It, 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 we cannot rule out anything, but it is strongly suggested that there is some connection that they were able to go undetected. Now, the question is, is like if this was, let's say, for example, for an academic purpose, if this was a police officer, then it's still the question still remains. This cop would have had to clean their cars. They would have to uh, get uh, get rid of the the weapon, and secondly, they would have had to uh, uh, basically clean their clothes. Maybe they, you know, like I say, it's it's very difficult to believe that you will be able to not make a mistake and not see that unless you've had some skill into that. So these are the uh, things that I've been thinking about uh, more more as uh, as I do my more in my investigation. My aim is also to uh, uh, to apprise the community, but it's also there to allow the house community to be aware of your surroundings and aware of people that you may, uh, that are maybe service providers or people that have authority. Because you, we as unhoused people know, house people do not take our, our, our cases seriously. They dismiss it. For example, when I was in Venice, they just basically outright dismissed that house people could do heinous crimes. But we know better. We know that they throw rockets, they shoot arrows, they set unhoused camps on fire. So this this message is for the unhoused community to be discard with, with, with the nonsense of, of people that don't have lived experience in the realities of unhoused people. We need to be able to be understand house people. All house people are not uh, um, our friends and many of them are NIMBYs. So these same ones that are running around or having the ear of police officers may believe in their twisted mind that they have the support of police officers to do these kind of crimes. This is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. There will be more to follow, and I hope we will meet again in the light of understanding. This is CEO Henderson from Weedy and House, and we are here in San Francisco to one of the earlier creators and one of the founders who have had lived experience of being unhoused. Uh, he is right now, we're in one of this very elaborate and very creative uh, uh, art space, which activism <coughs> is married into it. So without further ado, here we are with Mr. Paul Broden. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. 
<laughs> so tell us a little bit of what's your inspiration and how uh, did you get intertwined with this kind of uh, work you do? Well, I was homeless, but I was homeless in a really different way than most people in terms of I was homeless the old school way. My mom died and my father was an asshole and kicked us out. So at, it was a, a realization that it's no bullshit to say there's two Americas. <laughs> like there's the America that you see on TV and that they try to convince us exists and we're all created equal and we all have an opportunity. And that's the rich guys and the wealth, you know, even the upper middle class guys like I was. And then there's the reality for poor people and they just ain't the insane and as somebody that experienced both up until i was 15 i was one of the privileged white class and then i became one of the broke ass white class i was still white class that's for goddamn sure and um i just got really fucking pissed off and maybe it's because i grew up so entitled I couldn't believe that this was how we were treating motherfuckers in this country. And I got pissed off, and I've been pissed off ever since. And now it's been 37 years, and I'm still just as pissed off, and I'm still going to fight till we deal with this once and for all. I have to say, when you stated this, what was the shock when you, because you said you lived a privileged life, what was the shock when, what, what shook you? when you became unhoused and out on the street? What, what that shook you out that made you very aware that there was a two different Americans? When I started helping people do the food stamp application forms when I was coming up off the street, and I realized I got kicked out of three high schools, I never finished the shit, and once my mom died, I was bouncing all over the place. And, and, and because of the elementary schools that I went to, because of the junior high schools I went to, I, I was hanging out with friends that had high school degrees and couldn't fill out those applications. And, and that's just one example. It was also like you look at who's running poverty programs and homeless programs and you look at who's sleeping there. It's two different worlds. What, I'm qualified to earn you money by being homeless, but I'm not qualified to get any of that money in my pocket so I ain't homeless no more? When we first started out in the early 80s, Everybody working in homeless shit was homeless. The paychecks were $10,000 a year. We were trying to put ourselves out of a job. We were like, what the f*** is going on? What are all these people doing in the streets? You know, Hospitality House had been around for years, and they used to close at 11 o'clock at night. All of a sudden, they're closing at 11 o'clock at night, and their people, their community members, are standing there. And, they're, and people are like, well, why aren't you going home? Well, I don't got a well, crash here, brother. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the mindset. Crash here and let's fight together to end this shit. Now, 37 years later, it's, you know, $50,000, $60,000, $80,000 paychecks to, to document it and to do intakes and to do vulnerability index and homeless management. That's not going to end homelessness. Addressing racism and classism and neoliberalism in America, that will end homelessness. But you think you're going to life skills train me? You're going to rehabilitate me to fit back into society like St. Vincent de Paul says? <laughs> right. No, it's society that's fucking broke, not the people. The human beings are human beings. They, they ain't broke or not broke. They're just human beings. And, and we need to recognize, you know, prior to 82, we didn't have massive contemporary homelessness. We had racism. We had classism. We had addiction. We had mental illness. We had all that shit. Yeah, at every economic tier. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have massive homelessness. Mm -hmm. 83, we were opening shelters across the country and FEMA was funding our homeless programs. Direct connection to neoliberalism, part of the Reagan revolution, wiping out affordable housing funding. And now we're 800,000 units of affordable housing less than we were before we opened our homeless programs. And we're wondering why the fuck our coordinated intake system isn't ending the problem. Because your coordinated intake system is the fucking problem. I have a question, too, because I, I, you touched on some things that I want to take a step back and examine a little more. It's because I've noticed like that it's been seen to be the panacea for dealing with people that are unhoused is that 
they are believing that if they get jobs, if they uh, stay off drugs, or if they stay on their medication, that magically unhoused people are going to be unhoused. Or I hear another uh, argument is like they are using broken systems like the shelters and telling people just to stick it out, uh, swallow your pride, and to deal with what the abuse or the toxicity that allows or that is thriving in these places instead of dealing with the systematic errors. What is your insight on that? That when you look at poverty, when you look at our welfare system, when you look at our food stamp system, you look at our whatever, like Goodwill, United Way, like this goes back to the 60s and the war on on poverty when the 501c3 nonprofit monsters were created in the first place. Mm -hmm. When the federal government wants to ignore an issue or they want to kill a revolution, they fund it. And when people started organizing to fight back about the fact that homelessness was emerging in the early 80s, the government did what the government does the government started funding homeless programs. And as soon as the government started funding homeless programs, first it was the local and FEMA money and who gets it and who doesn't get it and how much and what do you have to do to earn it. Like like in the old days, we didn't do intakes for a shelter bed. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know your date of birth. I don't even know need to know your real name, quite frankly. We don't need that for a shelter bed. But now you in San Francisco, you got to give a finger image so you can be tracked through the homeless management system. And, and you, the, the vulnerability index coordinated intake bullshit is everywhere because the feds are mandating it. The feds are funding it and the feds are controlling what's happening at the local level. It has an element of criminality to it. It's like they look like they're tracking people in like in a criminal kind of setting. Like if they can pull your, inf- your your fingerprint or your personal information, they can hunt you down if they choose to. Well, I mean, think of it. 37 years after the advent of contemporary homelessness and we're still sweeping people for sleeping outdoors and we're still calling it camping. Like hell, even calling it sweep. It's an attack. You're displacing people from where they are. That's not a sweep, that's an eviction, that's an attack, it's, it's oppression, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so we use this language, oh, they're camping. They're not, that, I'm surviving, mother mm-hmm. I didn't decide, oh, hey, Bobby, let's go camping. <laughs> like, that's bullshit. I, but the language is from the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. The dominant culture is the rich white motherfuckers. And the system works really good for them. Mm-hmm. And so if something's falling out, if there's a problem somewhere in the way the system's functioning, it's got to be the problem of those who are being oppressed. Mm-hmm. And if the system ain't working for you, it's because there's something wrong with you. And we have to keep reinforcing that. And what's the first question a person gets when they're homeless and they go to an agency for help? Name, date of birth, social security number. And then the very first question is, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me is I was born in a country of colonizing motherfuckers that are implementing systems that are oppressing me. That's what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And if we could address that, you wouldn't need a homeless program. You wouldn't need non-profit service providers. You wouldn't need charity because you'd have social justice. I have a question to you and I want your perspective on it. There's a lot of communication and talk going around about tiny homes. And for me, of course, I'm against them because what I've seen in Los Angeles and I see with some of the social service agencies, there's a toxic marrying with uh, just it's temporary to take, put up with the abuse or put up with the prison type of lifestyle until you get out of it. But we have seen by over 30 years by now, as you stated yourself, that that has never been, um, been a fruitful uh, fruitful solution. So what's your what's your intake on or your take on uh, tiny homes? I mean, from a, is this going to get us to a place that we don't need, that, that we have housing as a human right for all people? I don't think so. Um, and, and I say that because there's the cause and effect. We, we, uh, we eliminated 800,000 units of housing. We wiped out affordable housing funding. And that led to contemporary homelessness. So, or to the level of it that we see today. Mm-hmm. And... So let's let's deal with that. And if if people had the option of tiny homes, hey, more power to you. Because mm-hmm. I would take a tiny home over a fucking shelter bed in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I think talking to most homeless people, you give me the option. 
tiny home or a shelter bed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the tiny home every fucking time. But I would have took an SRO. I did when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. Took an SRO room and I thought that was my tiny home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's having your own keys and your own control. The the tiny homes and... Yeah, but that's just it, though. The tiny homes aren't... Uh, they are having... They have to have a curfew. They have police searches. That's the government-funded tiny homes. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of, like, Denver Homeless Out Loud is part of a community called, the, you know, that, that does tiny homes. But the people living there mm-hmm. are managing and running that. Right. Shit. Not, not, not the not just that. Exactly. That's, when that's the, the for the government to fund tiny homes, <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that's the distinction. So those are running around uh, hyping the uh, tiny homes. Yeah, because it's cheaper than actually putting a fa- like. First of all, tiny homes ignores families completely, mm-hmm. um, and and it's ironic that we we say a family living in an SRO no longer counts as being homeless. There, they're poorly housed now, according to the feds. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the kind of mindset. Well, if we can just ignore families, they'll disappear, they'll go away because if they're out there with their kids, we'll come and take their fucking kids. Yes. From them. Yeah, they, so they're... so like. Tiny homes feeds into that into that frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the problem is these single. It's the chronic homeless initiative. You know, the problem is single adult visible homeless people in urban corridors. Mm-hmm. And so some cities are talking about, well, give us HUD money to do tiny homes to address the problem of homelessness. No, mother. You know. Like, that's not going to do it. And any time your housing is contingent upon the good graces of a fucking social worker to determine are you rehabilitating yourself enough in order to merit living here, you got a serious fucking problem. Like, why is it why is it we're supposed to have tenant rights, but in supportive housing programs, we don't. You have to be disabled to get into a supportive housing program. And as soon as you act out be your disability, Mm -hmm. they kick you the out. Mm -hmm. And yet it's an eviction moratorium. The private landlords are supposed to not be evicting people, but our service providers still are. I was going to say on that very uh, wings of that. I noticed on the on your your file cabinet that you have homeless builders' rights. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, the the Right to Rest Act, which we did in California with our brothers at LA Can, and shit, um, the Right to Rest Act looked at. We talked to seventeen hundred homeless people. Documented. Mm-hmm. I have all seventeen hundred forms still. Mm-hmm. I keep waiting for somebody to say, "Oh, you guys are full of shit. Let me see the forms," because I got them. So of course, no one is saying that. But. Um, and sleeping, sitting, and laying down. Uh, sleeping, sitting, and standing still mm-hmm. were the top three criminal offenses that people were being hit with. And we were talking about 12 cities, seven states, 1,700 surveys, and those were far and away. So the organizers being what, what we're doing wrote our own legislation that we've gotten introduced in Oregon. It's running right now in Oregon, Colorado, and California in the past to decriminalize the act of sleeping, laying down, sitting, standing, eating, serving food, to decriminalize the life-sustaining activities that we all do. We're all going to sleep. We're all going to sleep, eat. We're all going to sit down. We're all going to rest. But some of us go to jail for resting and others don't. And and what we say is we can no longer trust that the law is going to be enforced equally because they're not. And they never have been. You look at the sundown towns, the Antioche laws, mm-hmm. the Basarero Treaty, the ugly laws. Mm-hmm. This country has a long ass history mm-hmm. from the days of colonization to today. Local governments have been given the legal authority to, cre- to pass laws that they then discriminatorily enforce. Mm-hmm. And so the Right to Rest Act is saying to the local governments, you've abused your authority. You've ab- you're like a drunk driver that just keeps on f-ing drinking. We're mm-hmm. taking your car keys away. Mm-hmm. You can no longer pass these laws and you can no longer criminalize standing still if it's in a non-obstructive manner. Sleeping, if it's in a non-obstructive manner, because the act of sleeping shouldn't be a crime. Mm-hmm. The act of standing still, the act of sitting down, the act of eating, the act of going to the bathroom, the act of going to the goddamn bathroom. And the first time we ran the bill in California, you know, there was editorials that said the streets would be flowing with urine and feces, mm-hmm. as if that's what people want to do. <laughs> like, no. 
soul. So, like, we, we feel really strongly that everything we do in addressing this issue and organizing and connecting with our cities together has to be in the human rights context of addressing the root causes of it. And the root causes is the racism and classism and neoliberalism in America. Which brings up another question. How many people do you need to start a revolution? Well, we made that poster yeah. for you. Yeah. Of <laughs> course, you know I'm going off. <laughs> yeah. No, we, 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 we know how many people we need, and we know we got more than enough of them because we got, what, 40, 50 million people living in poverty in this country. Mm-hmm. And one of the key aspects of the organizing is to connect poor people that are housed with poor people that are unhoused because it's the same people. Hope Six taught us that in a nutshell. You know, and others, the welfare reform, the contract on America, Mm -hmm. all that. But hope six was like, how could we have two separate organizing campaigns here? Mm Because the people that are currently in housing are being made homeless because of hope six. Thousands and thousands Mm -hmm. of families ended up in the street being given a voucher that the landlords won't take. Mm -hmm. Being given a time limit of how long you can find a landlord to take it. Mm while you're demolishing units of affordable housing, mm-hmm. like, that's just criminal. It's callous, it's f***ing brutal, and it's criminal. It should be criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to say, you know, you're saying, because many times uh, society, presidents, governors, city council members, and elected officials utilize to galvanize people against poor people by stating the most things that will get them off their doldrums. And that's talking about war, war on drugs, war on crime, war, war on, on poverty. poverty. So, so, uh, so what I wanted to say is, like, how can we fight the war at home? What do you mean when you say fight the war at home and end houselessness? Um, I mean... One of the key aspects in, in terms of how politicians have been able, and the mainstream media have been able to galvanize oppressive and, and, and galvanize support for oppressive policies mm-hmm. is to demonize the people that are targeted with the policy. Mm-hmm. And when you read in the newspaper, you hear it on the radio, you see it on TV, sure as hell see it in the internet that we're dangerous, we're drug addicts, we're mentally ill, and most importantly, we're from somewhere else. (laughs) Yes, thank you for saying that. (laughs) Once you've got that locked into people's heads, and this is the most important thing about the organizing because don't think poor people don't read the newspaper and watch TV and and they hear it. And Mm -hmm. when at Hospitality House, when I was starting out, people would come in to see me to get help and they'd say, I'm not like those motherfuckers, Mm -hmm. those motherfuckers or crackheads mm-hmm. and then they would go sit down the next person would come in and be pointing at them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not individually but you know you, I'm not the like them yeah, absolutely because they buy the too you mm-hmm. hear it often enough it becomes true if you're told from the time you're born that you're stupid by the time you grow up you're gonna be stupid I like that one too because of the earlier uh, uh psychology experiments that they did on young black kids saying that they were horrible and dirty and this and the ones the kids that were not whereas the white kids i had last yesterday interviewed one of the unhoused in oakland and she was regurgitating some of that internalized uh, unhoused bias well i'm not like those people or i tell my children that i'm camping i don't want them to see me like this so i mean we drink in those harmful images as well yeah we we look in the mirror and we we think well, I know it's not me, but it must be true because mm-hmm. I keep hearing it. Mm-hmm. And and we've been doing that around keeping the classes, keeping mm-hmm. the poor from the rich from the like my way up the ladder to to security is to keep you down. Mm-hmm. Like so that divide and conquer isn't just a slogan. Like that is an a uh, political strategy in order to achieve the smallest minority of people getting the greatest amount of power and wealth. Mm-hmm. And when, so for me, the reason we started the Homeless Coalition and was like, no, no, the problem here is they think each other are fucking drug addicts and shit. Like we need to build a collective understanding that we're all beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's where, where we use our street theater all the time and our artwork all the time. And like, our, our beauty is who the f- 
We are. And Podcast too. <laughs> and we shouldn't project that, well, hey, I used to be homeless. I'm not homeless anymore, so I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. F*** that shit, motherfucker. I believe like art, this is one of the reasons that um, keeps me going and doing this podcast to express the medium of art through telling these stories in a humane way, showing that there is no yardstick or means testing way. Uh, we all are in the same boat uh, in some respects. We're actually, I should say, in the same storm. Some of us got life jackets. Some of us are drowning. Some of us are hanging on. And some of us don't even have any clothes to be able to, uh, to, to offset the storm. So I feel that that's very, very important. One of the things I've been looking at here is like I noticed that you have a connection with when you say Earth Day, you're connecting with the uh, the environment as well with food justice. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, you hear a lot of organizers talk about, well, we need to stop silo based organizing. We need to connect to our issues together. And, and it's true and it's a great conversation, but at some point you need to stop talking about doing that and doing it. And artwork and the, the Right to Rest Act, the Right to Rest Act would not just defend homeless people. Nobody could be arrested for that. Like, like I think that in all we do, we need to make sure that the we're pushing for is for all people. And Absolutely. so, you know, yeah, our issues are a myriad of issues because our issues are about human beings and human beings. What is that Audrey Lord's awesome quote? Uh, human beings don't live single issue lives. Mm-hmm. And so single issue organizing isn't going to address humanity. Mm-hmm. And in order to address the issues that, that we come from, we need to connect to the other issues of oppression. And if we don't think the native people in America are being oppressed, then we got a serious problem, our problem. <laughs> and so so we try to manifest that. And it's easier for us to do it with the art, you know, and, and to do it with legislation and with major campaigns we're running. Once we got to the place where, like with the Right to Rest Act, even at first we were talking about, well, we're not really criminals. Mm-hmm. And, and a couple of the abolitionists, the prison industrial abolitionists were like, so what? So it's okay to lock some people up and not homeless people? Like, what the game were we playing here mm-hmm. and it was just like oh yeah man we need to watch our language we need to watch how we're framing our reality because our reality should be all of us and should encompass all of our issues mm-hmm. and not be single issue based so here it is it's like how many people do you need to start a revolution i believe one person at a time can be able to open the door and to inspire many people and here it is mr paul broding has had 37 years of experience and he has some insightful words mr broding i thank you for your time and i was going to say do you have anything else to say before i log off well just that people should recognize 37 years of experience of getting your ass kicked don't make you a expert on the issue that you're talking about. So, so the I say is the I've learned over time and the that I've seen from the awesome groups like LA Ken and Denver Homeless Out Loud and the Homeless Coalition, you know, um, like it's, we all, we're all learning as we can go. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House, and I, we've learned a lot here and I thank you all for listening. Uh, may we again meet in the light of understanding. workers have stated uh, that they can talk to Weedy and Howes. 
interesting. Here is a person, an organization that's supposed to be dealing with unhoused people, and you can't communicate with unhoused people that are concerned about unhoused equality. So that tells you exactly just the a full extent of Lhasa and the, uh, their power that they have. They, so, Bill, what's going on? Tell me. Well, they just informed me that they got a place for us. They, they, they told me that they, that they built a place for all these people here, but they have not gave me rules, no regulations. They said, grab two bags and come with me. And there ain't no way in hell I'm gonna grab two bags and go with them. It's the facility looks nice and all that, but you know, but what about everybody else? Everybody else, man, these people, these, these people's homes, I don't know what. Nobody in charge, I told them, bring somebody in charge and let me, I'll be able to go between so we can figure out something. But they got the rules and regulations, they're gonna set it in stone already. And these people don't, ain't gonna comply to none of that because these people are not the normal people. We're, 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 we're prisoners, basically. <laughs> well, we're being told what to do. I am not going to get pushed into a bottle and squirted out that other end. I ain't going to do it. I did it in Florida, and I ain't going to do it here. Uh, that facility is great. I need to get cancer out of me. I need my medical. I need all this shit. I need that place as bad as I can. But I'm not going to abandon these people, my friends, for a hype. These are your these are your friends and your neighbors, and it's understandable. You want these them to be family. get the same services. This yeah. is my family. This is where I grow up. This is my the people from my era, or my school. All the rich, poor, and everything are right here. My era is all here. And uh, how old are you, Bill? Fifty-four. So yeah, so here. They wanted us off this. They wanted us out of here. I was saying, okay, we need a place. They said, all right, they built us it. But now they threw the rules at I said, give me a paper of the rules that we're allowed. They can't even hand me a paper because that's LA County. And I'm going, I need a paper. I need to show these people this is what you can have. We can't have this and this. They got these, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But they're saying, grab two bags. Man, I got more than two bags, dude. I got opposite stuff. I got, they're going to go through all your stuff before you go in? No, ain't going to happen. That's already right there off the bat. There's already strike one. You ain't gonna go through my These people gotta move from there to there. Let them do the transition. And then we work it out from there. And then we work with them. But they won't, they don't wanna do it. They want us to comply and then do their thing. No, they gotta comply to us. And that's ex perfectly, that's perfectly reasonable, and I definitely I mean, agree. Me, me, I mean, everybody's ready to go. Everybody's ready to go. Everybody wants to go, but now they're picking and choosing. Or giving certain they rules. They lied to me. They lied to me at the first. They said I had housing. They signed the papers. I think right. They lied to me. Mm -hmm. They said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. You're the first one in line, the last one." Blah, 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 blah. Now this time, it's no. You gave these people this place. Now give them their place. These people have to be themselves at that place. And then we'll conform to you. You don't just be that. And then we're and we're supposed to conform to you. that. Ain't gonna happen. It's just like jail system. Just like yeah. any other system that you have set in place. You got you have rules, regulations, all that. Yes, but we have ours too. There's a wonderful group that we've come out that have been living in Project Room Key, and some of them in tiny, those tiny sheds. They call themselves uh, it's the unhoused tenants against carceral housing. Those very same issues that you're talking about, they're getting a group together, and we're protesting and trying to meet with the mayor and uh, Lhasa and making, these contractors. They're making these places so we can't go into it, so it will keep their business going. To say that we're service resistant. It's a business, a multi-billion-dollar business. They got to keep it flowing. Mm -hmm. So they ain't going to go and get... The, what about the guy that's pushing that shopping cart down the street? Mm -hmm. He ain't going to have... He, he's all f***ed in the head. Yeah, yeah. He ain't going to put him in there. 
But you gotta conform to that. All right, these people have been wanting to get into housing for so long. But what if you have other people, like you say, uh, have uh, mental uh, issues, also would have substance issues. They just not magically gonna get sober. They have to have, it has to be a, a program this, for them to help. This is a mental, this is a mental problem that they created mm -hmm. because the drugs and all that, they, when you get kicked to the curb and you get put into a situation and you have to go through all this, hit, and this is the this is the outcome of what you made, and then now all of a sudden now you gotta you're squeezing it more into work where they, you're trying to make them do something that's not them, and they, they they're not gonna do it. You're gonna go get these this place. You built that for us. You built that place for us. Let us go there. Let us move in, and then we'll talk. Yeah. Don't sit there and pick and choose. You can't pick and choose on these people, man. You're not gonna pick. She can't go. You can go. You can't go. You can go. Because one one picks her ass and one farts in her sleep or whatever the fuck. You cannot pick and choose. These are the people of the street. And these people, they all everybody in, deserve help. They believe in. They believe in me and they believe in what I can do. And I know I can do this. But they gotta. They gotta turn. They get, man, you gotta throw your rule book down in the fucking garbage. You gotta throw that shit in the garbage, and then we sit down and negotiate. Thank do you. With the stuff done, mm -hmm. I can do it. But they won't let. They they want to be in charge. Like they want you to pack two bags and go. Ain't gonna do it. I got my medical. I got my cancer. I, my residency. My address is here. I thought I was gonna get my medical. I have to do all this all by my own. I'm gonna live on the street live in the dirt and I'm gonna go get operations done and go back out here to the dirt because they I'm allowed two bags four pair of pants three socks three shirts and all that shit. man and this is like preschool I'm not in school I'm an old man we're man we have our own way of living because we're forced to this yeah. and we can make a new life for us yeah. But they won't give us a chance. They don't. They they gotta keep their job going. That's a job. Without us, they're on the street. So they make us. They make us rebel. So they keep their job. Isn't that, isn't that like a double-edged sword? Yes, it is. But it's only ones that are hurting is us. And we're dying left and right. This is Theo Henderson from William House. Thank you, Bill, for I'm telling sorry. us. No, that's okay. I understand. You have uh, every right to express your frustration. I, everybody's waiting for this day. Everybody's waiting for this day to get into a place, and we can. We, we I, I said we will have our, we will have our, our way of living, and we will conform to it. We have our rules. We will do this. Will As do you can this. see, uh, Lassa just will, pulled back up again. And, and and now it's all like. Oh, you got to do this, 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 man. You gonna tell people like that? What are they gonna say to you? This is Theo Henderson from Whittier and House. I was interviewing Bill um, while I was asking Mr. Bill some questions. Lots of employees jumped up and said that they cannot speak with me, Whittier and House. And I wanted to point out that they drove off, and then they returned. And I also wanted to point out, here is one of the uh, issues of the problem. Here is a, a system that's supposed to be working with unhoused people. And because I'm here interviewing people or finding out from their own words unhoused people instead of the opposite end, they are wanting to uh, dictate the narrative of how they treat unhoused people. Well, we the unhoused definitely don't do that. We make sure that we get it from the voices of unhoused. And you heard it here from the unhoused person, not some soundbite and not some uh, uh, egregious uh, egregious kind of uh, behavior that uh, Lhasa has basically been instructing other people to not interact instead of being honest about that they are limited or they don't have the services and then also listening to the unhoused voices and dictating and dismantling these carceral rules they don't want to do that they want you to be go, uh, go into a prison and you're not in jail
This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House, and this is Unhouse News. Our top story is Los Angeles is undergoing a heat wave, and it is very important for people to um, put water bottles in their refrigerator to give chilled water or ice packs as well for unhoused people in this heat. Uh, June 15th, there was a uh, forest fire that had caused the world, the sky to have haze and would make it very difficult to navigate and breathe for the unhoused who are out here 24 hours a day. The second top story is heat wave. Why are there the cooling stations so far away? Los Angeles has had over 10 deaths a day with unhoused people get last year and it looks like by the things, the state of things that there will be more unhoused deaths due to the heat wave. Meanwhile, in Joe Buscaino's district, tidy sheds opened this week. As of this reporting, only one person was admit admitted. Given Buscaino's anti-unhoused sentiment and the uh, carceral rules that are attached to tiny sheds along with Project Room Key, some unhoused residents were reluctant to try. Upon interviewing other unhoused residents that were interested in getting out of the uh, unforgiving heat, it was revealed that many of the unhoused residents were not approached to enter the tiny sheds. Upon my investigation, when I approached one of the residents to speak with them, one of the unhoused uh, residents uh, employees basically stated that we're not supposed to talk to you. Now, I wasn't interviewing him, but the idea that they are automatically acting aggressive to people that are making sure that unhoused people are treated as human beings is just the, one of the many problems that are going on that besets Lhasa. In other news, Joe Bascaino will be violently displacing the unhoused residents on Lamita Boulevard and McCoy Avenue Thursday, June 12, 2021 at 6 o'clock in the morning. The last week, Joe Bascaino's office along with lots of workers were laughing and joking around while unhoused people's belongings were tossed in the trash. When one resident became visibly upset, they sicked the LAPD on the resident. Spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.